jocks in the pool That is not cool, I need the tools Take me to school, feet first Into this league, me first That cannot be, under the underdog Monica G Feeling a whole lot better suddenly I get in with it, win it again You're one and two in the bag and I'm going for three That is the beat down, got her the best So I keep now, y'all tread in water for weeks Now, now I'm the shark so I eat Now, look, I am not sorry I understood the pun from which I started And never getting these drafts is cathartic, so Dynasty underdog bite down up at the day and the night now easy as flying a kite now come take a look at it right now Dynasty underdog bite down up at the day and the night now easy as flying a kite now come take a look at it right now Hey everyone welcome to episode 133 of Dynasty Underdog I'm your host Jariah Dawkins joining me tonight Billy Beeman and welcome back Josh Goldberg. Yo. My bad. I'm cheesing because I'm just excited like about the Discord, man. Everybody's just popping off in there, sending links for the the stream. I love it. Yeah. It's uh it's been pretty lit lately, so <laughs> get in there. What's up, Josh though? Happy to have you back, man. You're on mute. And of You're on course mute. we can't hear Josh. <laughs> yeah, okay, I'm back. Shit <laughs> had to go wrong. No, uh, Happy to be back, guys. Work the first quarter of the year is always a little hectic for me, so I've taken a couple weeks off here and there, but back and ready to rock and roll. Awesome. Excellent. Let's hop into some news and nonsense. So one of the, there's not a ton, of course, this time of year. Free agency is coming up and all that stuff. Franchise, franchise tag is open, but Aaron Jones restructured his contract with the Packers, so he'll be coming back for another season. How do you guys feel about that? Is that somebody that uh, – what I think this opens up is when you buy a – a cheap vet probably just for some production does that interest you at all i mean a little bit but i feel in the bigger bigger grand scheme of things they did this to be able to trade him during the season without having such a big cap implementation yeah maybe i i think we saw him i'm just looking actually at the discord right now uh david sent his that startup that he's in and he got aaron jones in round 10 and yeah. you could probably look at our draft right now and see exactly where it was it was probably something maybe even later in ours but I'm not. I don't know. I'm not too excited about it. Like I know he has the receiving upside, but if if Aaron Rodgers isn't there, that's a major red flag. So I mean, maybe we believe in Jordan Love. Maybe it's okay, but he's up there in age, and again, yeah, maybe less miles on him than most. It'll probably be okay for a year or two, and that value is not bad, especially if you're a contending team. But I'm not really looking to buy him or anything. Like I'm not excited because they restructured him and are keeping him there. Like I think this is. Probably best case scenario, him staying where he's been. But again, I think it's kind of status quo and he's a declining back. So I'm not trying to jump in. Yeah. I guess real quickly, we don't have to talk about it too long, but like I was thinking that right now would probably be cheaper than say he goes out and he's having like a, I don't know, a, a top 15 to 20 type season. And if you're a contender, you know, you're going to be a contender come, you know, right before the playoffs. He's going to be more expensive than he is right now. So I was wondering if that's a gamble you'd be willing to take. I mean, I'd be selling him because I think his value got a little boost with this news. Sure. People feel, yeah. people feel it's comfortable. So I, right now I'd be selling him, not buying him. Okay. I'm with you. That's right. With Josh on that. Yep. All right. So franchise tag season. Uh, all reports are that Tony Pollard is probably going to end up getting franchised. Does this change your view of him as an asset at all in Dynasty? <laughs> yeah, this is no, I like that. No, just, this is kind asking. of what. Yeah, this is what we expected of Pollard. Yeah, I think so. I'm, I'm a little surprised that people aren't as worried about the injury and coming back from that with his age and everything. 
But I guess for this year, it's going to be a similar backfield, I think, going into this year with Zeke and Pollard. Like, I, I think it's going to be tough to get out of the Zeke deal for them. But, you know, either way, I think it's kind of just going to be more of the same, which isn't isn't great for Zeke and is good for Pollard. So I think yeah. if he's there, it's good. Yeah, I guess so. I, I'm, I'm concerned about the injury, and it seems like such a Cowboys thing to do to, like, you know, what do they call it? Mm-hmm. Captain Save a Ho. Like, go out there and, like, we'll sign the injured guy. Like, <laughs> yeah. Come on, say. man. With their that worked out great on. for Michael Gallup, right? Like, mm-hmm. anyway. Well, it's like, I just want to say, like, the reason I think it's better for Pollard if he stays is because he's probably going to be in a timeshare, which is where we want Pollard because we want him to stay fresh. Like, if, I, if he's going to go somewhere and be the lead back, I think I'm going to be a little concerned because that was the coach's concern in Dallas. And not that the injury is proof of that, but coming off the injury with his age, going into a lead role is not something I would love. So I, I think I'd prefer him being where he's at. Zeke is just Zeke at this point. <laughs> so hey. yeah, he'll steal some touchdowns. Yeah, I'm not hating where I got him in our listener league. Yeah, he'll probably have 500 yards and 12 touchdowns. But yeah, works I'm, I'm fine with that. Hey, he's the new Frank Gore. Yeah. The new Frank Gore. No, the, like I, that's disrespectful to Frank Gore. I feel, I feel like. Hey, yeah. Zeke's had a really good career. Everyone's a trash on him, but like he's fine been here, but studly. Yeah. Frank Gore at like forty was much more lively than Zeke at whatever twenty-seven he is right now. That's disrespectful. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, Jake, I like how we're the uh, we're the choice of viewing for your for your cooking. Yes, sir. Thank you for tuning in. <laughs> Love it. Cool. Uh, last one is with the the whole soup, uh, San Francisco. I see SF whenever like I'm going through this stuff, and I admit like immediately my brain says Superflex, <laughs> so it's really hard for me to like go San Fran. But all the San Fran quarterback situation is just so muddy. But uh, Brock's Purdy's surgery is getting postponed. Yeah, like I we've talked about this probably every week for like the last month, but like Trey Lance is going to get the first crack at this, right? Still, no, I really don't think so. I really don't think so. I mean, I think if they had their choice, it would be Brock Purdy, to be honest with you, like getting the first crack at it. I do think that's what they would like to do. But, you know, they're postponing this due to swelling. He's not going to get the surgery until March now. So is he going to be ready for training camp? Like, is he going to be ready to go? I don't I don't think so. So I think Trey Lance, by default, is going to get the go. But I don't think that means Purdy's like completely out in San Francisco. I think his best chance is in San Francisco. If he gets moved or something, that's just worrisome to me, unless it's to a spot that is like completely barren of quarterback. But I don't think that's even a thing. I think his best chance is to come back healthy, prove himself in practice and training camp, whatever it is, and get back on the field. It's a little scary for sure if if you if you're believing in Purdy or trusting in Purdy. But yeah, it's a gamble. Cool. So there's a couple different things under this topic, but um, I wanted to talk about rookie pick versus bet pick in startups because we're going through the startup in DU3 right now. And I didn't take a lot of picks. <clears throat> I just kind of like eyeballed it, was looking at like, okay, here's, you know, four players at ADP right now. And would I be willing to buy or sell them for what rookie pick is left on the board? Um, I was just wondering, like, how do you guys decide, like, how do you guys decide what when to take a pick over a player? Be right back. Yeah, so he doesn't want to hear my answer. That's great. So is... <laughs> nope. <laughs> no, he does no, not. I'm, uh, I'm totally joking. He, he's um, heard enough of you. Yeah, enough of me. Yeah. <laughs> so I, I think for me, like a 
a big part of the way that I'm like, I'm deciding where to do that and when to do that. Like I do like, I, I really got my rankings, my personal rankings into shape before this draft. I think that's the best way for me to like visualize where the rookie picks kind of lie. And then it's obviously, I'm not going by the ranks like, oh, I put the rookie pick right before this guy. I think it's a little bit more dynamic than that, especially with the kind of build you're trying to do. Like I've talked about this with rankings. I think that their rankings are kind of annoying because they're, they're useful, but you can't just like live and breathe by them or live and die by them. But again, for me, it's like a good way to find like a range of where I think the rookie picks should go. And then like in DU3, like the way my team was built, I felt like I had to kind of lean into the youth after a while. And so I kind of forego certain veterans who may score points this year, maybe next year, but likely are going to fade out either before or after that. Then, and I went for rookie pick. So for, for me, it's just like a calculated decision based on, you know, the range I'm in which rookie picks I think should go there. And then I'm kind of deciding based on my team build, like, does this make sense to even go for a vet here who I'm going to try to be replacing anyway? Or should I go for a pick that's a little bit more liquid, right? Between now and the draft. And also I could hit on, you know, a guy who is going to last much longer and have more value longer. Yeah, for me, it really comes down to the pick itself because certain picks I know I want either position A or position B. And if neither of those positions are there with a good player that I feel could produce for me, I'd rather go rookie pick and make that gamble. But again, it like Billy said, it's all about roster construction also. Going into it, into the DU draft, which we'll talk about in a little while, my first, I made my first two picks and then third pick, I didn't have a quarterback and no other quarterback, in my opinion, was worth being drafted there. So I went for the rookie 102. I'd rather make that gamble on a young rookie quarterback probably versus another position but at the same time it's building my team i'm not going to live or die by let's say rogers or something just picking him there when i know he'll be out of the league either this year or next year more likely i'm building for we're building for the future so especially in a startup draft like this you don't want to only pick one or two of your rental players cool yeah i just i i found myself you know not picking i don't i didn't have any uh first round rookie picks in the startup draft because i was really just trying to fill out a, a starting roster with player all players who are going to be in my lineup right and uh and i kept running into that like okay this guy's definitely gonna score points but eventually i'm like i want to have fun and do the rookie draft too <laughs> so i really i, I busted out i mean oh, it's right. true <clears throat> you know I, I have a couple guys you know and I, it's fun right at the end of the day this should be fun too so um i did bust out like just like dtc and was like okay i have like these four players that i'm looking to draft and like what's the current rookie pick and what's the value there and once it got to where like the value was for the pick was about double or so what was available, that's when I was like, okay, well, this makes sense for me value-wise. I already have a starting squad. So I was just wondering if any of you guys did anything like that. No, that's that's an interesting way to do it for sure. I, I mean, honestly, I was considering the 101 at pick 201 or whatever, like at, at, at literally my, my second pick. <laughs> me too. So... The second you know, round, I think yeah. it kind of, and I'll just kind of get into my point about this that I think needs to be stated that I think was really evident from this draft. Like we are in a transition period, like the current landscape of startup drafts of startup drafts right now is completely different, different than it was a year or two years, especially two years ago, where a lot of these guys, like you're seeing Mike Evans, Camaras all fall past round 10. You know what I mean? Like guys that you would see go much earlier falling much much later in in certain and i was saying to i think uriah and josh how in du2 last year 
certain rookie picks weren't even taken off the board. And this year, almost every rookie pick is taken. And it was only like certain fourth round picks last year, but this year, all fourth round picks are taken over certain guys. Like a Chase Edmonds is, I think, still sitting on the board in this draft, which go ahead and feel free to take him if you're if you're listening live. Uh, but I mean, you know, I'm saying guys who were mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Here's your crown. Guys who were picked like yeah. in the sixth round of of rookie draft or of, of drafts last year are now falling, you know, completely out. So I think we're in a transition period, right? Where like all the rookies are I mean, all the running backs are completely being faded. Jonathan Taylor went like two eleven in this draft. I'm doing a mock draft, a mock draft with DFF. He went two thirteen, and it's because it's a fourteen team mock. I mean, rookie picks are just more valuable right now. You know, a lot of them are much more valuable than the players you could be selecting, and you could trade those rookie picks for you know multiple players down the road. So I think that was a, a bit of the motivation when I was looking at it too. I was like, well. I think I'm getting the more valuable asset at this point anyway, looking at the current landscape of Dynasty and how all these players are being valued right now. Cool. And what's this with the trade-up? Oh, yeah, sorry. Post-round 12. Sorry. No, this I, is, I like so this this is what I realized from this draft as well. Again, like I'm looking at this draft and I'm realizing that after about round 10, 11, 12, I don't want any other players, <laughs> really, right? I would rather... If I could have, if I realized this a little earlier, and I did try to kind of do this, I tried to gauge where I wanted to jump into by looking at my rankings and kind of looking at the early board. But I just, I, I think I misjudged it a little bit. I did get one deal done and jumped up and and got, I think, the rookie one ten or twelve, where I think the likes of like Henry, and then it just kind of like fell off. Derrick Henry, and then like there was like Alvin Kamara was left in those players. So it just kind of fell off there where I realized I'm like, holy crap, like this year, if you can, if you're going into a startup, trade all of your, you know, 13, 14, 15, 16, 17, 8. Like I'm talking about make package deals where you can get up into round, you know, I probably you probably won't get above round eight, I'd say, with those picks, but like around eight, nine, ten, like jump into those rounds if you can and just grab players and picks there because that's where all the value is gonna fall off with these rookies with uh the second year players like they're all going in this range and and it kind of becomes barren or a barren wasteland or just players like Kamara, guys who are, who are massive risks right so personally i'd rather jump in earlier trade up earlier and if you you have the advantage of listening to this before you even go into one most people probably aren't even thinking that you know they, a lot of people trade back and they're like oh i'll get a bunch of players back it, this is not the year in my opinion to trade back it's just not no I, I got a couple of different offers. I mean, some from you guys where, you know, they're trying to trade up to like my, I don't know. Like yeah, Elijah Moore. You you got Elijah like Moore. A, That's what I was trying to trade up for. Yeah. And get like a 16, 17 and a 20 or something. I'm like, I'm just, I'm feeling it right now that this has fallen off quick and I'm just going to take my pick. I didn't make one single move in the, in the whole startup draft. So uh, I love that though. If you could do that, that's something you want to try to do early on, I think, because I think once you get down to where everyone else is starting to feel like it's getting thin, then they're not really going to be excited. Hey, I got an extra pick later. But I knew that I didn't want to be sitting there with like three 20 round picks. Like I, I'm going to be dropping most of these guys as it is come up to the rookie draft. So um, I think that's really good. I think that's a, a good strategy that you need to think yeah, about. That's early. great advice. I'm looking at the second half of the draft, my picks right now from the DU3 league and Honestly, I think I got from round 16 on, I think I have two picks I'm happy with. The rest were just (laughs) players. 
Yeah, no, I, I feel that it got gross real fast where you were just like, is there anything I can do here to salvage yeah. this pick? <laughs> and then, and then I'm going for like take high up. No, then I was going for like high upside youth, like Chenault and stuff in 20th. Like he might have a chance. I mean, that's not terrible for sure, but I'd almost rather take a rookie pick. Like that's what I've been doing is taking a bunch of rookie picks. But I think, you know, to Uriah's point, that strategy is not going to work if you're in round eight. Like people nope. are going to realize it's too late. That's what, no, that's why this draft, I was able to make one move where I was able to move up and it was a little bit earlier than I realized what was really happening. And I was like, <laughs> oh shit, I should have done more of this when I did that. But yeah, do this. Like you're getting into a startup. Your draft hasn't started. Literally just start sending out these offers like before the draft even gets going. Just fire off. I'm not kidding. I would fire off like round 13, 14, 15 or 14, 15, 16 for round 10 and eight or something. Yeah. If you can get, I mean, please, if you can do it, probably yeah. shoot for the shoot for the moon. But I, I think I would be willing to go in the round nine, 10 area. That's where things really seem to kind of drop. But no, you, yeah, you got to do it. You got to do it now before anybody realizes anything. Yeah. We see uh, Joe said here, the changing of the guard for every position except tight end, of course, has def- been completed. I don't, I, you know, I mean, I think, yeah, true. Kyle Pitts has definitely not made it happen yet. And uh, <laughs> I don't know if he will, but I think that there's still some, some room for more change, uh, especially at running back. I think that's coming. Yeah. Yeah. I think next year drafting the running backs that we're taking, it's going to be so di- If you could feel it now, you could really feel it now. That next year is going to be so different because we have some pretty decent running back talent going to be coming in, fresh blood. And uh, you're going to see guys like Zeke, Kamara, Henry, maybe, you know, not even getting drafted, right? So, uh, <clears throat> cool. Since we did the uh, Dynasty Underdog Listener League 3 startup, we're almost done. I think we're in the final round. Do you guys want to, like, I don't know, talk about our teams a little bit because that's fun? Yeah, let's do it. I was going to ask you guys in picks since we were just talking about later round picks, uh, pick 10 and down, who were your two biggest surprises you say you were able to draft at the position? Oh. All right, hold on before I go get my water. <laughs> okay, I mean, for me, honestly, like this isn't even a good, like a really good one, but 1208, at this point, Alvin Kamara, I feel like I just couldn't let him go any further. We're seeing Kadarius Tony go before him, rookie pick 208, Trey McBride, who... I knew you were going to get, I was going to snag him at the pick before where I got 207, but eh, I figured I could maybe re-roll and get something better there. But yeah, I think Alvin Kamara to 12.08 right before Gabriel Davis, Desmond Ritter, Nico Collins, like that, that group right there. I could have taken Elijah Moore, you know, I could have taken Sky Moore, but I just, I just felt like with my team build, like I could possibly utilize him if he only gets like a six or eight game suspension. And then if he does go into next year, if he, you know, if he doesn't like get blackballed from the league or something, then I think he still has some, a little, a little bit left in him. So um, I think that was the one I was, I was most surprised about for myself. Yeah. For me, um, this was actually like my last stretch of like feel good picks. Like, okay, got it. Nailed it. K got it. Glad he was there. Uh, going from 10th round, 10 five, I got Aaron Rodgers, which this is super flex. I think I ended up with like four or five quarterbacks, not on purpose, but like they kept falling. I think he's going to play this year. Uh, he's probably going to play next year. Like I don't see him going anywhere. So Aaron Rodgers at the 10.05. Uh, Mike Evans, 11.08. All he does is like put up a thousand yards every year. Like shouldn't be going in the 11th round, uh, late 11th round, in my opinion. Trey McBride, my boy, 
And with the 1308, I got Elijah Moore, and then I finished off at the 14th round with Tannehill, which I'm not so excited about, but like he might start. I think that was a pretty good solid uh, stretch of run from value from round 10 to round 14. Uh, for me, I would have to say at 1802, Jake Ferguson. Yes. When I saw that, I'm like, why didn't I think yeah. of that? And then it's a toss up, but for 2110, last pick of the draft for me, Paris Campbell. No, that was actually a great, great pick. He's 25 years old, I think. And he had a pretty good year last year. They got a quarterback and I don't know, even if they don't get a quarterback, I think he could be a guy who moves around the league and is just like a a wide receiver three kind of guy. So he definitely could be a a flex option for you that you got in the 20th round. Yeah, no, I love that. I did want to ask you guys really quick. um, At 10.02, I took Cam Akers. I don't like that. <laughs> no, no, honestly, like I took him because, in my opinion, he was one of the only running backs there that possibly could have a starting job. I actually, I do like it. Um, he he looked a little bit better at the towards the end of the season, and I mean, David Montgomery went the, after the, him. I'd prefer David Montgomery. Ouch! Yeah, okay. He's, the Rams will probably screw it up and like draft a running back, and then Cam Akers will never see the field. But, uh, but I mean, yeah, I mean, for a guy you think that's has a really good shot at being like D lead in a committee in the 10th round is pretty good, especially for a guy with that age. But some of the stuff that went on with Cam Akers last year, you know, the budding heads uh, with Sean McVay and all the other stuff uh, is a little worrisome. But I mean, if he just plays and is that dude and he finishes top 20 or something like that's really good value. So he's also my RB three. So if he was top two, I definitely would not have pulled the trigger on him. But as number three, I felt it was a little bit of a safer uh, hedge bet. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, so I do have two two more. Gardner Minshew, seventeen ten. I'm kind of surprised. I'm just kind of surprised that he didn't get selected earlier. Like he's the backup to a guy who got injured this year. He played this year, and he's probably one of the best, if not the best, backup in the league. So he could easily fall into a starting job somewhere else. Uh, so I think that's a good one. And then Hunter Long at nineteen twelve. I know he hasn't done a single thing, but tight ends take a while to develop. Third round draft capital on the guy, Mike Kosicki, leaving the team most likely this year. I don't know, man. Like, I think that he could end up possibly being something. I mean, even if it's like just, you know, a back end kind of weekly, you know, uh, plug and play, then yeah. I, I just think that he's a guy who could be drafted. He's a good dart throw. And I don't like taking those tight ends, you know, at that point in the draft. Like, all your stud running backs are gone. Uh, wide receivers that you're going to actually start are gone. Uh, I, li- I like taking the, the shot on those tight ends because you just don't know. Like all, Most of the really good tight ends have like started off slow. Just That's just the way it's been. So you never know like if you're going to get lucky and get that guy. And Hunter Long could be that guy. So round 19 is pretty sweet. Yep. All right. A couple more things just kind of since we've been drafting. It's funny. Like This is a pretty enthusiastic group of – of drafters like we got through we got through this draft in what like every bit of a week and a half two weeks about it everybody's everybody's been super active it's honestly been great yeah it's it's really exciting yo if any du2 listeners are here like get get on it (laughs) like i don't know what's going on y'all need to get some energy into that league like there's people aren't responding to some trades and just die out after like two weeks i I can't i can't it's that's that's just not what i want to see but Back to this this listener league. This was a ton of fun. And so it made me think of some stuff, though, because I, I noticed some people not pre-selecting, right? Like in MFL, you can pre-select, like in in uh, what sleeper, you can 
auto pick, whatever, and you can set up your queue. But it actually sucks and doesn't work all the time. But not that not that MFLs is a great is, is a great sure. system either for pre-selecting. Let's let's be honest. But uh, I thought it was an interesting topic because you know we obviously are tagging folks that they're on the clock and stuff and trying to because I do think that you want to keep a draft going and. uh, jake said it was a single week maybe but i think you obviously want to keep you know some focus on the draft you don't want it to get stale and people just to forget about it and get like kind of bored of it so that's obviously part of like keeping it moving keeping people notice like yo you're on the clock you you don't need to take all eight hours but you know some people were like oh you could pre-select you could pre-select but i think there is a disadvantage to pre-selecting right like you you can miss out on trade offers if you're pre-selecting right you can do so i think it's just one of those things where I know everybody wants to keep the draft moving, but it was one of those things where I noticed certain people weren't doing it. And then I noticed who they were. And I was like, ah, cause you want to make a trade. I know, it. I know what it is. So it's just something to think about when you're trying to kind of push these things along. Um, I wanted to keep moving as much as anybody else, but that's just one thing I, I thought of. So, you know, with pre-selecting, I wouldn't force it upon people. Just be respectful with that stuff. Yeah. Especially when you have an eight hour clock and people all over the world, you really got to have the patience there. I, I, I realize this. Sorry, I think every one of our leagues has somebody from Australia, at least. Yeah. Yeah, it does. <laughs> That's awesome. It's cool. They, they, they say the C word a lot, so yeah, that always makes the chat fun. <laughs> yeah, it's just, I really wish I'm trying that to be respectful part, here. I wish that was part of our vocabulary, honestly, in, 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 in the States. <laughs> in the States, I mean. Uh, <laughs> but, you know, it sounds so much better with the, with the accent, so much more flavor it on it. It's just, it really does. Yeah. It's not as nice. But yeah, I mean, there's an eight hour clock there. I was, whenever I try my best, like put like, I take my pick, see who's after me and then, you know, tag them, hey, you're on the clock. And then just tell them, you know, no, no rush. Like take your time. Just letting you know. I tell them to make um, it happen, Captain. Get it done. I know. Let's I saw you. You're just like, <laughs> right. you got to keep Honestly, I think like, man. It's a good dichotomy. It's more time for me to set a pre-draft because I'm like, okay, there's six picks coming up. So I got to select at least seven players like now how do i rank them you know it's like i'll just I'll, I'll figure it out when i'm on the clock and i think it actually is probably just more maybe not quicker for the whole draft but quicker for me personally i could I, i'm easier to okay it's my turn who's left and like okay my turn's coming up like how do i rank these guys and i didn't think about the part where you can miss out on a trade offer so that's an important one too that's why we have really long clocks so you could kind of work out trades in the first place well it gives you it gives you much more of that like manager feel where like you, you like nobody's pre-selecting in a real draft you know so anyway you get to like actually go through all the me- mechanics of like drafting and like talking to trade partners and all that stuff so i don't know it's been a great draft shout out to the du3 crew i know it's going to be a really really good league going forward because the energy is there the enthusiasm is there it's awesome all right man we're really cruising through this but uh let's hop into some trades and non-trades most of my leagues are pretty dead how about yours as far as like activity goes like there's not a lot yeah. of not a ton of talking and definitely like there's no trading going on uh, right now. Especially dynasty leagues where we do this year round. I feel the period between the uh the Super Bowl and the combine is kind of normally a dead period. Yeah. I got really awful crappy offer from Will Dennison. And I, I I'll too. tell you that. Like I mean, like an offer is so terrible, I feel like he he didn't realize who he was sending it to. I'm not sure. I mean, it was Billy, <laughs> Billy, you're talking to, you're talking only to your eye and eye here. What was the trade offer? there's nobody else listening at all there's nobody else listening um i it might even be still pending i could see i don't even think i i I think it was so disrespectful i didn't even go and 
and do anything about it. But it was, it was like Rogers for Dak and uh, let me let me go and see. Yeah, okay. He tried to send me Aaron Rodgers, Alvin Kamara, Travis Kelsey for Dak Prescott, Saquon Barkley, and Mark Andrews, and uh, and I will kindly decline that right now. And I won't even I won't even give him my normal comment, which is usually like that is absolutely disgusting. Don't send that to me again. <laughs> uh, yeah. So no, not great. He gets these trades done with other people, like, and that's why he, he he's a good player. But it's cool. I, I do have a trade. It's actually a non-trade here. And hey, man, shout out again to Will Dennison. I will I will put him on blast here. This is from him. Love the guy. But yeah, he sent me Dak. He sent me his Aaron Rodgers and Kamara for Dak and Pittman. And I also declined. But uh, yeah, how do you guys feel about that? Uh, sorry, I was looking at the comment. <laughs> How quickly could you push to decline? Uh, uh, right away, yeah. <laughs> oh, so he sent you the same offer. Yeah, he was just... It's pretty much when you were saying, yeah, you know, it was uh, Rogers and something for Dak and something. I'm like, oh, I see where he was trying to go with this because it's a console wars three-copy league, so you could send an offer to for the same player with three different three different owners. So, I mean, I don't hate the, you know, the, the hustle, but... Uh, oh, I hate the offer. It wasn't for me. Yes, I, I mean, hate that. I mean, listen, do you, but I'm not going to, no, no, thank you for that. All right. So this one came through the discord, this trade 107, 210, 309, 4, Debo plus Tony. This was Dan, uh, Dan Morrison, I believe, uh, of DU1, of Nitro, Nitro Fantasy, NFS Fantasy. Uh, yeah. What do you guys think? 107, 210, 309, Debo for Debo and Tony. Personally, I want the pick side of that deal. Man, I I mean, I might gamble. I might gamble on taking Debo and Tony there. Uh, giving up the one hundred and seven right now, this time of year and stuff, always just feels so hard to do. Uh, but sometimes you got to do it. I just, I wish I had seen more from Tony to really make this move. There's a lot of like hope that they're going to figure it out with Tony, and he has looked pretty good with uh, Andy Reid, Patrick Mahomes there. And they're trying to find ways to make him a, a player. I mean, he he went from the Giants, you know, what basically inactive because uh, they couldn't figure out how to manage him. And then you get into an actual stable organization like the Kansas City Chiefs, and they're actually able to use him and, and you know make him a valuable player on the field and literally help them win a Super Bowl. So if you can see that progress to the next year, you know this is smash. But there's some hesitance with Tony there. Tony's a player I do want to try to go out and get. He was a player I tried to go out and get last year. Uh, but giving up that 107 this time of year is, is hard, and it's going to get harder as it gets closer to our, our rookie draft. So I think it's fair. Well, let's put it that way. I think it's fair. What about you, B? What side do you I, want? I like, I like the Debo side of this. I mean, I understand the allure of the 107, but at, like the way I think about it is 107 for Debo straight up and then 210, 309 for Tony. Like That works for me. Yeah, it's probably pretty fair, but I do – think that it's a, a pretty good <laughs> you're isolating the giants for no reason another comment there's out. a reason <laughs> that's hilarious oh my goodness oh man hey, the show with the comments is so much better it really is we love that everybody's getting involved and yeah, watching yes, and writing it's it great. it's great um so yeah i'm on the diva side of this honestly i think either way i think you could probably get more for him in season than the, than 
whatever the value of the 107 is right now, you could probably enhance that down the road. He's 27. I think he's still got a, a couple years left in him. And plus Tony, I kind of like what I saw from Tony, man. Like I, even if they try to boost the wide receiver core, I don't know how much they can do really in KC, but add what one really good player. If they add a couple, I think Tony still probably is ahead of the pack there. So I like what he did here. I like it. Cool. I'm going to expand my screen here a little bit. Real quick, uh, I think what Joe is saying, and I don't, he said he's going to send something to the, to the Discord, but I'm wondering if what it is is if you put a comment along with your trade block, like we've suggested in the past, like what you'll accept for somebody, and then that you'll just like accept that exactly. Oh, yeah. Send it. And he's, I think he's saying like he's gotten deals done like that. Maybe I'm, may, I, may, I may be wrong, but that's kind of how, what I'm reading into it. And love the well, idea. That makes, that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah, to- totally love that idea. We we've suggested it, we've used it if that's the case and uh it's worked before. I ha- I have found, you know, sometimes some leagues it doesn't work, but most leagues it works well. Yeah, we've seen it. I think the first time was uh I think he's in DU3 now with us AJ, right? The guy who does the graphics. Yes. For us on MFL. Yep. He was the first person I see use it in console wars where he had a bunch of like down roster guys and he he listed out specifically, you know, like I don't know five players and specific picks or pick ranges and he's like i will accept it if you send it to me like that or i've seen where people are like i will give zeke for any second mm-hmm. just send me a second and he's yours so yeah yeah okay auto accept i see that i've seen it work great strategy i love it especially when it's like you're ready to move on from something and you're like i will take any second like they, like you like you i just said it's it works it that tends to work out a lot better than if you're like you know, I want this specific player in this range. Like if you do something like that, you usually get it done. But yeah, I enjoy that strategy. I've implemented it. Usually in the off season, I feel like, or towards this time of year, it doesn't matter what you do in the trade bait. People just got to kind of have their own internal motivation to get on there and trade. But during yeah. the season, when people are paying attention, that works That works a lot. It works really well. Cool. So uh, continuing our prospect profiles, uh, we did a couple of running backs the last couple of weeks. And then this week I just said, hey, let's try Jordan Addison. And uh, the guy's approved. So let's talk about Jordan Addison. Uh, 21 years old, played three years in college. First two years were at Pittsburgh. Uh, his sophomore season was just something pretty special. Uh, 100, 100, uh, 100 receptions on 145 targets for almost 1,600 yards. Target share of 26.8. His entire career was right around 20% target share. Except for his last year, he only played, no, he played 11 games, whatever. Catch rate, always above 67%. One of the biggest things that stood out in the sheet, something that Peter Howard has talked about before, is that he's had over two yards per route run every single year of his career. That kind of puts him in a bucket with uh, a high percentage chance that he finishes as a top 24 wide receiver at some point in his career, which I absolutely love. One of the things that I want to knock on him, uh, which maybe after what we've seen with Devontae Smith, like I shouldn't do so much, but he's a pretty slight player. He's six foot. He's listed as six foot 170. And that's probably pretty accurate. If he comes in and weighs, much more or is any higher i would be kind of shocked he is slight but he's really really good on the sheets pretty much everything sticks out as top three top four uh, wide receiver in this class you look at uh, yards after contact per attempt that's another thing when it's talking about being him being slight he has like three to four point uh, two five yards after contact yards after contact per attempt so with a guy that slight you're like well he's going to go down at first contact but if you look at that number Compared to all the other guys in the class, like he he's top, he's you know top three. So I really just don't have that concern with them. Like I don't watch him on tape. I didn't see any film or any highlights, so I don't really know 
what that looks like. I could tell you is what it looks like on the numbers and it looks like it's not at all uh, going to be a problem. One of the easier stats to kind of look at for uh, college production and going to NFL production year after year is just straight up points per game. And if you go to age adjusted points per game, that puts him again, you know, fourth in the class, just behind guys like Josh Downs, uh, JSN and Jalen Hyatt. His ADOT is over 10 for his career. So he's not just like this short yardage, uh, shifty type of guy. He, he probably, uh, Billy will talk to it. He's probably a pretty good route runner based on the numbers on the sheets. It looks like he's able to at least get open probably against zone very easily and get himself open. So everything I see on the sheets, I absolutely love, uh, early on, I would say he's probably going to be top three wide receiver out of this class for me, uh, just based on the numbers I have. What do you got, Billy? I mean, I think he missed one of the biggest accolades where he turned Kenny Pickett into a first round pick, but oh, I didn't think about that. You know, uh, it's, it's out. There. <laughs> I didn't even think about that. <laughs> no, I, like, I, I, I'm giving a little too much credit to him there. No, that's good. That's good. Probably. I, he went to USC and I don't think he performed nearly as well as he did at Pitt. Is that inaccurate? Nope. That's no, that's accurate. He a uh, yard less per reception and nine fewer touchdowns. Yeah. Yeah. His sophomore season is, is just tits one for the books i mean he was number one in the acc number four overall in the ncaa and one all-american so but still yeah early declare early breakout all that stuff so you know i mean i'm going to talk to his film here which was actually by and large pretty good but he it's interesting to me that he went to a what's likely a tougher conference and didn't perform as well we, we put it all on, on him with, you know, making pick at a guy, but then he, he doesn't perform as well in another situation with, with a different QB. So uh, I'm not sure what that exactly means for him, but just let's all dive into the film. So he's an exceptional route runner, really. He might be my highest rated in the class so far. Uh, yeah, he is the, he is matched with JSN as, as the highest in the class so far. So he has a great ability to sell the pacing during a route, like slow down for a comeback and out and burst up field to escape a defender for a deeper route. So he exhibits the quick release with suddenness and intent, right? So he has a plan coming off of the line and he, he kind of knows what he's trying to do. He has those quick feet to get away from a defender. Sharp route runner with above average acceleration shown in his release. He does a good job using leverage and setting up defenders. Like there's a, a good one against Oregon State, right? He leans out and upfield showing deep route, then hits a rocker move to to an inside slant, right? So he's got a lot of nuance in his game. And again, he has a plan, right? So he's going he's going to kind of set up defenders, try to make them go one direction, and then go go a different direction himself and get open. And I, I do plan on doing a video for this, so a lot of this stuff I'll, I'll show in that as well. He does a good job of kind of using the spacing on the sideline, able to kind of turn defenders' hips around and then separate off of those sharp moves. So he, you know, he does this against Stanford, Oregon. Like these are some of the ones I saw him against. Uh, one thing I did, I do think he struggles with, and you'll probably hear anybody who talks about him say this is he has trouble with press, right? And this probably is because he's a smaller guy. He's six one one seventy. And there was a game I forgot which one it was, and it might have been Stanford, where he literally just couldn't. Like any time they pressed him, it was just shut down. Like he couldn't do anything. They get their hands on him and he just can't get off. He just can't get around them. He's just not strong enough right now. And maybe that can that can be worked on, right? That can be developed as he gets in the NFL. He's not 
he doesn't have a small frame necessarily. He's just a smaller guy. Like he's six one. He could add some weight, some strength, rather not weight, just some strength, right? He just needs to get a little stronger, but it's a problem right now. So one thing that you said that I, I, I got to go back and look at now. So I got to go watch a couple more games and see where I missed this, but he can create for himself a bit. nice. I literally say this in my notes. He can still create for himself with some good lateral quickness, but I think he lacks big play yak ability. I just think he's often taken down by initial tackle by initial tackles. Now, I don't know if he has a bunch of big plays where like, you know, he just got away and and that's kind of increasing that number for you over there. But I I would assume that's not the case and that I may have missed something. So I'll go back and look at that. And if that's the case, then he'll get a couple extra points and that will probably bump him up in the film rankings to number two, or at least tied there. But right now I have him at three behind Josh Downs and, and JSN. I haven't gotten through the entire class. I've gotten through Quentin Johnson as well, and I'm working on Zay Flowers right there. I've, I've gotten through more of the running backs. But finishing off here, uh, he's actually pretty – which is – this is so weird to me when I see this, like where these guys can't get off press, but they're good blockers. Like I don't quite understand it, and I don't know if it's more that he can like hold his ground, but he can't push past defenders necessarily. And that's why – but he's like an, he's an aggressive blocker. He gets into the game, and he's trying to do it. Now that doesn't necessarily go into my – into my grading here but it's something i like to note because it'll keep these guys on the field final final just kind of summary here i think he's a route technician who isn't strong physically not strong enough to beat press consistently and he doesn't exhibit elite burst to push past defenders downfield when route running or footwork doesn't win it for him so his entire game is reliant on route running and footwork which honestly can win you a lot of matchups big time yeah so I, i i like what i see He's one of the better in this class, but I I do think he's going to struggle against some of the NFL DBs who put a lot of pressure physically on you. So I don't see him as a number one guy who can like take over. I see, I I listen to a lot of Patriots podcasts, a lot of stuff at 14, Jordan Addison, this, that, and the other. Okay, maybe, but like, and maybe again, maybe he can develop, you you can get him a little stronger and he can work against these guys, but I'm not sure he's a number one, number one like guy. Yeah, just quickly again, his career best uh, yards after contact per attempt is fourth in the class after Ronnie Bell, Hutchinson, and Mims. So yeah, maybe there's something there. Maybe it's more looking at his film sophomore season. I'm not really entirely sure, but um, yeah, I'll, I'll go look more at Pitt. But I do like to look at the 23 season. This is the guy you're. Getting. That was his. That, that was his best season. So was 23. It was his best season for what that specific yeah. metric you mean. Yeah, uh, his sophomore year was uh, three yards uh, per attempt, and then last year was four point two five. So, and that was yards after contact. You're saying? Yeah, per attempt. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I mean, I maybe I'll, there's a couple of big plays that like really blow it up. I don't. I don't I'm gonna. I'm gonna I, I mean, I, I saw. I saw a couple like where he does get away from. He does get off contact and and score. The one I'm remembering right now, there was nobody else there, and it's like a thirty or forty yard score. But okay. I'll go back and look at that's not going to boost it that much. He has to have a, a good deal of this, I feel like, uh, within the film. So I'm going to go back and, and watch a couple more games. I'll see if I can bump that up a little bit and see. And I'll report back, obviously, if that's the case. But uh, that's that's honestly that and in in, in more of the, the inability to separate from press coverages are, are the two biggest knocks for me, for him, which is, is not that bad. The guy looks great. It makes sense. Yeah. Just a couple more things real quick. His slot rate to out wide rates pretty close to 60 40, it's like 53 43. So he could play in the slot, uh, or has played in the slot in college and out wide in college. So he, you know, 
it is what it is, right? Just he's not primarily a slot guy or primarily outside wide. And then the last thing I want to talk about is with the actual NFL draft. If you guys aren't aware of this website, it's one that I talk about uh, this time of year called grindingthemocks.com. What they do is they compile a bunch of mock drafts from, you know, your Daniel Jeremiah's and, and uh, those types of folks and some fans and all that. And they compile literally hundreds of mock drafts as time goes on. And they build these charts for these curves and you can see what they call expected draft position. And it's fairly accurate. They kind of, you know, the whole uh, Malik Willis's of last year kind of screwed things up. But uh, right now they have them at draft position 19.4. So getting mocked uh, to be drafted right around pick 19. I don't see this changing that much. He's going to be a first round wide receiver. So something to keep in mind. Okay. Yeah, I wouldn't be surprised if it's a little later than that. One thing I did want to just really quickly say about last week's film, uh, or film, yeah, my film review from last week on Eric Gray, I was I was saying he might be one of the most elusive in the class, and like I I was like struggling with that. Like I feel like since then, just that whole just that word, and when when I, I went back and I literally altered, I replaced every time I said elusive about him with lateral quickness like i think he has the most lateral quickness in the class but he's not the most elusive <laughs> if that makes sense right he's super quick and but he doesn't always it just doesn't always manifest into like yards after contact and actually eluding defenders so that i did want to kind of correct myself on that and i went and actually made that adjustment both in the grade and in the uh in the notes so yeah man live and you learn really quick just want to let our listeners know if you receive anything from my twitter account Please don't click on it. While we were recording, somebody just hacked my Twitter account. Oh, boy. <laughs> I just got an email saying your email and your password has been changed. I'm like, nope, that's not right. Oh, boy. All right. We got to check the DU Twitter, too, I guess. Yeah. No, I just did. That's It's fine. Everything on there is okay. I wonder how that happened. I, who, all right, who knows? Well. Anyways. Thank you for listening to this week's episode of Dynasty Underdog. <laughs> Make sure you follow us on Twitter at Dynasty Underdog, at Uriah Dawkins, at Willie Beam DFF, and at Joshua M. Goldberg. Just don't ex- open any messages you might receive from me. <laughs> Who the hell knows where I'll lead you? But do join our Discord. Do join our Discord. Later. Later.